Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, 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 this is the Real Talk SLP podcast, and I am your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. How are we doing today? How's the week going? For some of you, you might be on spring break. I don't get my spring break till next week. And and for you SLPs that are having to get spring break in April, <laughs> Godspeed, Godspeed. I hope you make it till it's... <laughs> to the spring break. Doesn't it feel like when you're like a week out from spring break that it takes forever to get there? Or you were so jam-packed with IEPs the week before spring break that by the time spring break comes, you're like, what day is it? What happened to me? How did I, how did I get here? Um, <laughs> can anyone relate to that? I hope you can. Um, if you're in private practice, you're probably going, Felice, I work every day except the weekends and I have to take off a, a week with my own vacation time. So I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, those, that is one of the perks of working in the school is definitely the breaks, definitely the breaks. And it's nice when you are also a mom like I am and being able to be on the same schedule as my kids, it's really nice to have those, that time off. Um, but it's really hard to transition to that break and not think about work when you've been going, going, going and thinking about all the balls in the air at work. You know, you're like, call this parent. Okay. Write this IEP, do therapy, plan this, go photocopy this, go get this set up. You know, it's like you, you're constantly thinking, and then you get this break where you're allowed to just breathe and take a step back and work out when you want to. And you're going, what's happening? And then you get used to it. And then it's Sunday night and you have to work the next day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal sometimes. And sometimes in some ways, I don't want to say it's easier to not have the break because I love my breaks, but it's easier to keep the routine. Um, I'm definitely a routine oriented person. And, and lately I don't feel like I'm in much of a great routine, um, because I have three children. Like I keep mentioning, did I mention that I have three children of all different ages? Uh, yes. So that's me. But anyways, let's, let's get back on track, shall we? Um, I have a really amazing guest coming on Quintina Briscoe. She is, she's a, she's an SLP rock star because she was working in the school-based settings and she decided that she was going to, you know, on the side, start taking some private practice, you know, some taking some kids privately on the side. And eventually she worked you know, that became something that she got comfortable with and decided that she wanted to open up her own private practice. So I really wanted to have her come on to share her story with entrepreneurship and how she got to this place where now she has a full practice and, and she's doing really well. And I, and I think it's always, we always learn the most when we talk with other SLPs that are in the trenches doing, um, 
doing the hard work and, and we can learn from them, right. And their story. So I'm really excited to have her on. She's really fun and hang in there. It's, we, we, we get a little chatty, so I hope you enjoy this interview. I think you'll be blessed by it and let's head over and talk with Quintina. Hey, Quintina, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on today to talk about your journey from um, being a school-based speech pathologist and then starting your own private practice. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So I would love it if you could just share with the speech therapist listening about your background and, and your specialty and just a little bit about you before we jump into all the goodness about private practice. Oh, of course. So hello again, everybody. My name is Quintina Briscoe. I am a speech language pathologist, of course, (laughs) but I have my own private practice right now, but a little bit of background information is that after I graduated, I went straight into the elementary school setting in which I loved it. And then soon after I developed my private practice, I'm a little bit more personal about me. I have a 13 year old son that is amazing. But other than that, I have dibbled and dabbled in a lot of things, speech pathology. Um, I had an app, I want to say two years ago, a year ago, maybe, um, that really focused on generalization of skills for parents. And that's just a few things. And we've also just recently got approved by ASHA to be CEU providers. So that's that's a lot of bit about me. I'm sorry for rambling. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And you're at, let everyone know where you're at for your website. Because you, you have a website and you even have like t-shirts on there and you yeah. have your, I think your app's on there, right? Yes. So I have retired the app for right now. Um, it's still the um, pediatric speech lab app, but we're not, we're, it's not active. However, the website is pediatricspeechlab.com. And we do have a t-shirt on there. It's the teletherapy t-shirt. Um, and this is just really my depiction of what is going on right now and what we've been forced to jump into, which is teletherapy. So it's a really cool t-shirt. You guys should go and check it out. Definitely on the website at pediatricspeechlab.com. Awesome. Yeah. I have a 12 year old son and he's going to be 13 in September. And I feel like I'm starting to get in the teenager years yeah. and it's a whole new, I don't know. It's my, I have, a, I have a really great son too, but it's teenage years are different. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like, why do you have an attitude? Is everything okay? Like, it's just, it's so <laughs> emotional. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So it sounds like you have just done so many cool things in the field of speech pathology. And today we're going to really be talking about your transition from being in the schools and then how you started your own private practice and advice that you can give other SLPs and, and just 
you know, the ups and downs of transitioning to something new. So I always ask my guests to share a song that's related to the the topic of the day. And I thought it'd be cool if you shared a song that keeps you inspired, even when things are hard or when you're facing a lot of obstacles. Like what song do you listen to or do you or the lyrics remind you like to keep pushing forward and staying motivated? Well, uh, my favorite song right now, and I play it every single morning, it is by Kiara Sheard, and it's called It Keeps Happening. Kiara Sheard is a Christian artist, and this song basically talks about, um, you know how people say, put your mouth on what you want to manifest. And this song really just talks a lot about just manifesting what it is that you want to see. You know, one of the lines says, my seed is blessed. My money is blessed. My body is blessed. And just really ministering to myself, putting those words out in the atmosphere and openly receiving it from heaven. So that's definitely the song that I play every single morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to check out that song. But yeah, it sounds like a really good song to remind you that like God has good things for you. Yes, yes. And I was going to say, that's a song that I know. I This band that I like, I Am They, and it's Faithful God. And it's just when we're uncertain, we're doubtful, we're trying new things. We know we can do it, but there's that little doubt in us. It's like reminding, you know, for me, I have to be reminded of God's promises a lot. Because and that my story maybe looked different than what I thought it was going to be, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have good things coming around the corner for me. Yes, I would have to agree. Just receive everything that your heart desires, because if your heart desires that, God is going to supply that. So, yes, I agree. Awesome. Awesome. So I I want, I haven't asked you too many questions before we got on because I want to hear your story. Like I want to hear it all. So why don't you kick it off and just take us back to when you were a school-based SLP and that whole transition and you just take the floor. Oh my goodness. Well, listen, the journey has been long. Where do I even start? Like I said, my CFY was in a school and that school is in DC, um, District of Columbia. That school has welcomed me as a intern in my last semester and I never left. <laughs> so I was there for my CF, my last intern year, my CFY, and then a transitioning into, into my SLP journey. So I've been there for a long time. And actually, a lot of people say, what made you want to start your company? And it's very, very, um, I always say that God moves, he definitely moves in mysterious ways, but it's just the smallest things that have pushed me into my greatness. Um, An example would be with me leaving my job or even starting my private practice, I actually was going through a horrible heartbreak and I needed my mind. And this is so, you know, me being very transparent, I needed my mind to focus on something else. So while I was going through that heartbreak, I needed it to focus on something like 
something that would take my mind away from it. And I was definitely always a very spiritual person. And I felt God moving me in the direction direction of entrepreneurship. So when I started at the school I was at, I never really desired to be a private practice owner. I can only say I really desired to do that once I was, um, I would say around maybe 2017. It was a point where I felt like I was called to do more. I remember, and I tell this to so many um, students that I talk to, the schools that I talk to, the SLP programs that I talk to, I always tell them about this, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, you guys listening, or um, anyone really about this lady. She was sitting in an office and she was sitting in a cuticle, but she was like four times this cuticle size. And so what that basically represented is that I'm too big for this for this place. And that's how I felt in my heart, so much so that I felt it in my heart and it made me sad because it was like, okay, God, I know this is what you're calling me to do because I don't really, you know, I'm not excited about doing it, (laughs) but it was something that was achievable for me to do. And I've always been this person. That's why I tell a lot of my mentees, look at like your childhood, look at what you're really, really, really good at. I've always had jobs in administration. I've always had jobs in being a manager. I've always had jobs and I've always gotten jobs. So I've always been able to take a position and turn it into my own and either make the company look great. Or I just noticed that I had those executive function qualities. Um, and And I always tell people, look at the qualities that you have. Do you have a nurturing mother type quality, maybe you'll be really good with pediatrics. Or do you like more of a laid back, do your job, but not have to speak in a high tone all the time? Do you like that, you know, do geriatrics or do the hospital? So really just really looking at those innate things that God has put on your heart so that, you know, it can manifest into something bigger. And so long story short, I ended up deciding I was too big for my office, spiritually, really, not really, because it wasn't a cubicle. It was actually a nice size office. So I had a lock, a door and all of that. It was super cute. And I know that's not all of our journey as with being a um, school SLP, (laughs) because we have to share classrooms and all of this stuff. I've heard those horror stories, but I had a nice size office with a great big window. Like really, it was really, really nice in DC, but I was just too big for it. Um, My spirit was too big for it. I felt like, I don't know if you guys have ever felt like something was missing. Like, I feel like I should be doing something else. And so when I finally told God, yes, I decided, you know, God, I'm going to see if this is what I'm supposed to do. So me not listening, I ended up leaving my job. I gave them a month's notice because I wanted to make sure that everything was right when I left. So I gave them a month's notice. I did all of my evals and everything. They were super sad for me to leave. And we still talk to this day. I always say it's very important, guys, 
how you leave a situation, okay? It's super important how you leave because you never know when you're going to need that company, that person, or whatever again. I left my job, but I ended up going to a nursing home because I was scared. I was scared. I'm like, so you're telling me that you want me to quit this job (laughs) with a steady income with, of course, check week by week, I get a check or every two weeks, so I'm living check to check, I was comfortable, right? So when you're comfortable, there's no room for growth. If you're comfortable, there's absolutely no room for growth. So if at any time, any of my entrepreneurs out there, my private practice owners, my SLPs, at any time you feel like you are comfortable, something's just not right. That's what I always say. And after I left my job, I ended up going to a nursing home. The nursing home paid me a significant amount of money per hour because I was considered PRN. And so after I did that, COVID hit. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, the first place that COVID was hitting was the nursing homes. So then I was forced God forced me into doing my private practice full time. Also, I think I mentioned to you as well um, that I started out of my car. So basically when I was working at the elementary school, I took on about two or three patients and I I actually started to go house to house and see them out of my car. Um, And then after my car, I then moved to the basement of my house because I still was not ready for overhead clinic costs, rentals and things like that. After I moved into my basement, I wasn't in here in my house long. I had ended up moving to an actual clinic space. And now we're up and running clinic with about five teletherapists, three full-time therapists, an SLPA. And we just got a student from a college in the area that's going to come and do her internship. And guys, I want to remind you that this is, it just, it was just a year, maybe. Yeah two weeks ago. Wow. I, you know, I didn't, I, for some reason, just seeing you on Instagram, sharing about your office and stuff to me, it seemed like you were just getting a bigger office. Like I didn't know it was just a year. Yes. So that's exciting. Yes. So, okay. There's a lot to unpack there. So it sounded like you really liked your school-based job. Was your workload pretty, pretty nice? Like you liked your staff? It was amazing. This is something that you've never heard before. It was about four SLPs at my school. What? Yes. (laughs) So what was your caseload size? My caseload, I had about... Don't even tell me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I had about 28. What? Yes. what, What areas were you treating primarily? Mostly expressive and receptive language and articulation. Oh, wow. I might need to move over to the DC area. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then what was even better is that I taught a group and they were in a special education classroom, a all-inclusive classroom. And I taught a group of them in there. So I did like one or two groups maybe like two or three groups a week. And that was like seven of my kids. So most of the week left, I'm like left to do 
absolutely nothing, you know? Like, of course, like paperwork, meetings, soap notes, and things like that. You know, our paperwork is Mm -hmm. what really kills us. (laughs) But you were able to kind of do the things that some of us kind of dream about we have to push aside or maybe you're able to go into the classroom a little bit more or you're able to collaborate or make visual supports. So you just, you had a nice workload. So it really was about for you, you just felt an urge that there was something else out there. Cause I know some SLPs listening, they just hate their job. (laughs) I mean, they don't like the schools for a variety of reasons. And most of those reasons, like they're overworked, they have a high caseload. Mm-hmm. But in your case, you just felt like you had a different kind of calling in the field and and you took the leap to, to test it out. Yeah, that wasn't my story, guys. I woke up every morning like I'm going to work. Do, 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 do. Like it wasn't... <laughs> It it wasn't draining. It wasn't like I dreaded work. It wasn't, but I'm, I've also always been that person that likes to get the job done. So as long as there's something to get done, I can do that. So when I used to wake up in the morning, it wasn't because I, it was not because I hated my job. If I could have stayed there, I would have still been there. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it sounded, and it sounds like, like what you were saying when you were younger too, you were noted looking back, you're looking at these qualities that you're really good at. You're really good at managing. You're really good at building a team and being a good leader. I mean, and I think not everyone out there is called to be a private practice business owner or maybe they need to take it slower than what you were able to do. But I think a lot, of, like you were saying, COVID kind of forced us to all look at our current situations and do things and jump big when we were, you know, I think we were all a little comfortable too. So maybe talk to the SLPs listening, just like what were the first steps that you, once you were in the nursing home and you said that you also, when you were in the school setting, you were also doing private practice on the side. So maybe like walk us through the first steps that you had to take to get the ball rolling with your private practice. Because I think for myself, one of the things that has held me back from doing private practice in terms of like contracting myself is I don't even know what what insurance to get, what paperwork to do. I think it's just it's like you said, it's com- I'm in a comfortable place. So, yeah. I'd rather work for somebody else because it's easier. And I think we all may be in those certain situ- uh, seasons of life. You know, I am a mom of 3. I personally don't know how much I want to take on a a private practice right now, but like if we were to want to take a few clients and just get our feet wet, like what did you, what were the, what would you recommend doing? So I want to go back to you saying that everyone is not um, built for entrepreneurship. And I think that is the most, that is the best thing that somebody could ever understand because Sometimes people jump into entrepreneurship because it's a fad. This is something that is very popular, you know, and for you to stand on your own two feet and say, yeah, that's not for me. You guys, that is the best thing you could possibly tell yourself if you know 
100% that it's not for you because it's going to be so helpful. I feel like um, we all have an assigned place. There is an assignment here that we're supposed to do. And if in any regard that I am not supposed to be an entrepreneur, I really need someone to wake me up and let me know because I don't want to do it if that's not what I was called to do because it's just going to be harder to do it. And then also, I know you had talked about when COVID had hit and Yes, that's so true about us having to, you know, everybody was comfortable, but I don't even remember. And me just thinking back, I think I left my job in February, then COVID had hit maybe March, April. So could you imagine me leaving my job, my comfortable job that I loved and leaving without any paycheck or anything going into a pandemic? Like that was just crazy. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I ended up seeing clients out of my car because that was the next step that, you know, I wanted to do something more independent. So what I had to do was honestly, somebody else asked me two weeks ago, the clinician at my, at my company asked me, you know, share some books with me that you read about entrepreneurship. And I thought to myself, I read a lot, but I didn't really read a whole lot that would have assisted me with all of the hurdles that I jumped through. And I say that because there's so many. First, I had to get my, of course, my EIN number, which is my tax ID. But then after I ended up getting my tax ID, I started with my state. So if you're thinking about opening up a practice, make sure you look at your state business laws as as well as your state like medical laws, because those are really going to catapult you instead of you thinking you just need this license or you need a DBA certificate or, you know, something like that. And then you're set back, you know, weeks or months or whatever the case. After I started to, well, after you get that information, excuse me, you have to figure out which insurance companies that you want to be credentialed with, like you mentioned. But in order to find those, I would just really look at the population, do some type of demographic report and see, of course, you will want to first get credentialed with your state insurance, like those Medicaid's and Medicare's. Those are Mm going to pay you the most. And you can take like maybe three or four of them, less three or four patients. And that would, I mean, I don't think people really understand that, okay, we might get paid a certain amount every week, but if you work your own, like you work your own, they're getting paid three times as much as they're paying you, you know? So at the school, you're getting like 30 to 40% of what they're even making from the county. So that made me, that that kind of woke me up. Like I'm not getting all that I'm worth, you know? And so I really started to see, okay, if I get four clients, then this is this much money. Prime example is that Medicaid pays about 75 to $80 for one session. So it's like, I'm making that in a day with my full time when I can just be making that in 30 minutes at my, private practice. So that's the difference, really looking at the logistics of everything. And I think that's a, did I answer all of your questions? I think so. Yeah. I mean, so you just, did you just kind of go on a hunt and search the internet? How did you sort through all that information and finding the insurance companies to get aligned with? And then Mm -hmm. did you get insurance to cover you? I mean, of course, did you start a website? Like how, 
how did you start finding those clients? It sounded like, it sounds like you went through Medicare to find some mm-hmm. clients and then did you just get assigned children needing services? Yes. So this is the thing. The first question, how did I even really start? I would have to think, and I'm sitting here thinking back now, it was about networking. When I was in the school setting, I started seeing clients after school. So we all know, well, some of us is the checks are good, but some of us, we just need a little bit more. So I took on some extra clients at another clinic and I saw the way that they were running things. And then that kind of led me to network with certain people that are like, Hey, I know this person that can get you into Medicaid. Hey, I know this person that can get you into here. Hey, Kaiser and all of these other things. So what happened was one of my clients, my favorite clients, um, I started talking to his mother about, about me wanting to open a private practice. And she hooked me up with a woman who does credentialing. So credentialing is what you would do after you get your CAQH number. So the, are you familiar with CAQH? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fancy. I know what an EIN number is. Yes, I have one. Yes, yeah, tax IDs, MPIs, all of those (laughs) numbers. (laughs) And I think probably sounds foreign to you because it it sounded foreign to me. But you would get that number, and then after you get your CAQH number, you're able to um, offer your services to the different insurance companies. And generally, like once you get insured with one insurance company, then you'll start learning of others that are popular in the area. Oh, gotcha. So it's C-A-Q-A number. C-A-Q-H as in Harry. Oh, Q-H. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's, I don't, is that, is that, do you know if that's state to state or is it, you know, the C-A-Q-H, it, it's like a database that's going to hold your licensing. It's going to hold your insurance. It's like a professional That's where all of the insurance companies go most of the time to go get all of your credentials. So all of your stuff has to be updated. Your your state license, your medical insurance license, all of those things have to be updated so that um, insurance companies can easily access like your profile, if you will. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it sounds like just from listening to your story and your personality, it sounds like you just kind of took one little hurdle at a time. I did. And and you just took baby steps in a way, like if something came up, you learned about it and you put it in your toolbox and then you kept moving forward with that information. Am I right? Yes. I'm a very cautious thinker. I think upside down, inside out, around about 360. Like I think about every scenario and how it could go. So yeah, definitely. You hit it on the nose. Cool. Yeah. So, okay. So you took, you started taking some clients after school, then you got your licensing and stuff that you got all that going. And then you started, did you just, you said you were taking clients out of your car. So you're going to, are you driving to people's homes and doing therapy in their home? Yes, yes, yes. So 
well, what happened was on like Tuesday and Thursday, I would say I'm going to see clients. So I'll set up maybe four or five clients after school. And so they would all really be in the same area because once you register basically with the insurance companies, whatever address you register with, basically they'll pull people up around in the area. And I should also add, it's so important you guys to look at the your to do a report. I cannot think of the name of the report and I know it, but it's like a, a report that helps you find all of the other speech pathologists in the area. So in where I am, there's not one speech pathologist that I know of who is within at least 30 minutes from me. So I'm like right in this town where there's no other assistance for miles and miles on end. And then also we have Children's Hospital who's downtown. They have a six month waiting list. So I decided to start taking clients. And once I did that, they poured in. Okay. So you, where you were at, you just happened to see that there wasn't a lot of SLPs. There was a need there and that that's a good thing too. So I will have to figure out where you can look for, is it like a database to see what SLPs are practicing in the area? I will Google. Oh, okay. So would you just Google different private practices and see where they were at? Or was it like a, you can do Google searches, like find the nearest speech pathologist within 20 miles of me or something like that. You know, you can ask Google anything literally or Siri. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they'll pull up how many SLPs are in the area or how many SLP practices are in the area. And then also, you know, guys, I always say, even as a speech pathologist, this field is so amazing because you can, I always tell like the group of students that I mentor and these young ladies that are SLPs, always tell them there are so many possibilities. So like we were talking about at first, you don't really have to do private practice. You can do things like even the podcast. I did a podcast on another station and she said that she quit her job because it supplements her over what she was making at the in the school system or where she was. So you don't necessarily have to do private practice. You can do entrepreneurship and speech so many other ways because there's so much that we have not tapped into. Totally. Yeah. I, and I make speech therapy materials and that has turned yes. into, it, it's, I kind of have, you know, I have a similar story. My dad passed away and I was needing a distraction and yes. something to just take my mind off it so that I wasn't always sad. And, and, and so I started making materials and my son was little. And so, yeah, and it just evolved into this this thing that I didn't know I was, I was losing my creativity in the school setting because I had such a big caseload. And I knew that I was made like kind of just very similar to you, like made for something more, but I don't really know what it is. I need to rejuvenate this if I'm going to last in this field, because this is a hard, it's a rewarding field and it's a hard field at the same time. I hear that all the time. Yeah. Why do you if you're going to last. Oh my goodness. That's scary. Well, that, I mean, that was where I was at. Like I need to revive the, the things that I had wanted to do, you know, when you're new and you're brand new, I thought I was going to do all these things. And then my big fat caseload happened and all the things that you thought you were going to do, they kind of have to take a side seat. And so 
yeah, you can, you can easily get distracted by the things that you want to do. And I think like what you were, we were saying too, maybe private practice, uh, being your own CEO, isn't something that you necessarily want to do, but maybe there's something else you want to do that you haven't tried, like speaking or starting a program at your school for something or an RTI program that you wanting that you wanted to do and you don't and you may find like oh my goodness this is something that I could maybe write a book later on or do something else with that talent that you put out for to help serve children so yeah I'm loving all this this chatting about private practice and so I would love it if you kind of talked about how you opened your private your your actual building how it's going any ups and downs or what you're finding is challenging. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Let me tell you. Okay. 2021. I mean, let me just say January. Oh my goodness. January kicked my bottom so bad. And it was so crazy because I was actually doing a fast in January, which made it 10 times harder because whenever you're fasting, trying to get a relationship with God, of course, the enemy is going to try to get into your head. So, or have other things around you happen. So January was crazy. And that is the update as far as how it's going right now. Everything is actually mellowing out. We just moved into our space. I'll back up a little bit in November of 2020. And after November, 2020, we started getting more clients. The office went well with decorating. And if you visit my Instagram page, I definitely did some behind the scenes of the before and afters. It looks crazy. Now it looks beautiful. Um, every time people come in there, they're like, this is so nice. So we ended up uh, moving in. That was pretty hard. Ordering furniture was crazy. Making sure we had materials and testing and all this other good stuff was crazy as well. But we started to roll and it's only what, February? And it is, it is very, it's getting very, very serious. I went from, I want to say maybe from five clients to 65 clients in maybe a year. Yeah, that's, that's a full caseload. And if it's private practice, you're, are you seeing those kids one-on-one -on -one for 30 minutes or an hour or 50 minutes? Yes. Yes. So all of our sessions are 30 minutes. You'll learn the insides and the outs of how to build and things like that. That's a, that's a whole different story. And I will be going over that just not here because it's so <laughs> yeah. long, but definitely just learning the ins and outs of everything. Yes. 60 clients. See, that's the thing. You could have like a caseload of like, 45 to 50 clients in the, in the school system. I understand that, but it's different with a private practice because all of those kids are one-on-one. -on -one. You don't do groups. There is a group that we've been doing, but um, I don't know if I mentioned it before. My practice is primarily teletherapy. So we started teletherapy way before COVID even hit. So this was what my outlook was in, in the actual how I wanted to own my private practice and I wanted it to be teletherapy. So it's been going well, just the ins and outs of hiring, firing, 
building programs, policies, and all these other things. And we just added a discipline to the practice called ABA therapy, which is basically a behavioral therapy for autistic, well, not only autistic children, but children who um, exhibit behavior. So we're adding that as well. We've already added it. So it's going great. So did you hire someone to take care of the behind the scenes stuff and answering the phones and doing your books? Or are you doing all that stuff? Absolutely not. I would drive myself crazy with the little bit I do do. Okay. (laughs) So I started off, of course, doing my own books. I wasn't even that organized. It was like God kept me because I didn't get audited or anything, but I've always been a very strategic and organized person. Let's just say that. So it was easy for me to do, but now since we've grown so much, we do have an accountant, we have a bookkeeper, we have, I do all of my medical billing, but we do have, I do have admin and a credentialer who's also on my team. So there are quite a few of us and a public relations individual as well. So you're really good at networking and managing a team because could you, could someone totally transition out of the schools and just do their own private practice without having a big team like that? Yes, of course I did it when I first got out. And like you said earlier, I'm very strategic. Well, you didn't say this, but you were saying that I I basically took it slow. So I did do that. And guys, don't be afraid to take it slow. You're on nobody's time clock, but your own. And I promise you, everything will happen in its own timing. You can definitely, to answer your question, go into private practice straight from the schools. I would recommend that one of the goals that I had was making sure that I had at least $15,000 in the bank before I jumped out there. And that's something that I had to build up to to get that. I mean, I was working two jobs along with my private practice. Yes, I did that just two years ago. Two jobs at a nursing home at the elementary school and my private practice. So I was working 14 hours a day. And so, yeah, I had to hire a team eventually when things started to grow bigger. But you went and tried to get a cushion of salary so that if you had slow months or months where you're trying to figure things out and find children that might need your services, you could pay yourself. So you know what? It wasn't even too much about having a slow month. It was more so I knew that I could not continue to do it myself with the caseload that I had. So at that point, I had to start hiring people as far as clinicians. And so when I started to hire clinicians, I just told myself, that's when I'll go full time. And that's when I'll start hiring clinicians when I have that 10 to 15,000 in the bank. Because one thing that I don't play about is people's money. If some if my clinicians now, some of them, I get paid a salary, but some of my clinicians get paid more than me because they work so hard. And so I can never, ever not pay someone. That was my motive behind having that 10 to 15,000 in the bank, that cushion for my clinicians. Honestly, it wasn't even myself. I knew that God was going to provide for me. Yeah. So it was more for investing in your business and being able to expand and have the money to pay clinicians so that you can 
keep them in work. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so I know I know that you are starting an SLP social, I don't know if it's it's kind of like a community that you're wanting that you're going to be starting in March. When this episode comes out, it will have already launched, but let's maybe share what what it's all about and you know how people can find out more about it. Oh my goodness, the SLP social is my heart. Like there's so many. Okay. First off, I get so many DMs, so many emails. When I talk to the groups of students, you know, they email me, they ask questions and I try to talk so much so that I actually try to, (laughs) I try to send voice messages. And I know that's how we have talked in our DMs through the voice message. And it's because it's so easy because I get so many DMs that I decided you know what, I'm going to put together some type of social for us SLPs because we don't have one. We don't have a place where we can go and hang out, but still learn, take CEU courses, be mentored by a seasoned SLP. And that has been in a diverse group of fields, whether it was not fields, but Um, specialties, whether it was the nursing homes, whether it was the schools. And then also, of course, like I said, offering those CEU courses. I'm just so excited to talk to the women who want to be SLPs. So many people, I find that they doubt themselves when it comes to speech pathology. I don't know why schooling is just one of those things that you're like, I'm never going to make it out. And we're offering a support system for that. So if you could imagine undergrad SLPs and graduate school SLPs or SLPs that can come to one community to network, to offer some guidance, some help. And so this, this SLP social, it's like a social, but it's also we're about business. We're about growing each other. We're about diving into figuring out, helping each other figure out what else, how else are we growing in our field? It's just going to be nice. And hopefully when Asha comes around, you'll, you guys can say, you know, hey, the SLP social is down at Fridays. Let's all go. Like I want to hang and talk and be a mentor and give people good feedback and nurturing. So that's, that's basically what the SLP social is. But like I said, we are about business as well. We have monthly masterclasses. Um, The masterclasses will talk about entrepreneurship. It'll talk about everything from the praxis to, we're going to have some speakers on there. One of my good friends who her name is Ebony. She is a pediatric private practice owner named her company's name is Casa Speech Therapy. Um, we're trying to get Bejorum speech on, on one of the master classes. They're going to be some very, very heavy people who can give you a diverse look into speech pathology to really just get your gears turning to, to know it's going to be an amazing community. Let me just say that. So is it going to be like a (laughs) Facebook group or is it going to be like once a month, um, like webinar type style where you sign up? Is it, is it going to be a subscription where they pay some money every month or how does it going to work? Yes. So the subscription will be tiered. And so with the tier, it'll be students and then SLPs. So it'll give a different vibe to, it'll offer a lot for 
a lot of different reasons, but yes, it will be membership. It'll be monthly. Um, it'll be tiered. You'll be learning a lot, receiving a lot. We do handouts, masterclasses monthly. Yeah. So it's on Facebook at the moment, but I know that it'll get bigger than this. So we're talking about tables and sections at ASHA, you know, VIP situations, just very something very nice so that I can continue to give back to SLPs and cater to you guys. And then with the master classes, you'll also be able to answer questions. So there'll be like a Q&A portion. All of those questions I get in my inbox, I'll actually be able to sit down with you and talk about your SLP journey, growing your social media as an SLP, so many things. Cool. Sounds really cool. I think we need more of these kinds of communities to help. I don't know. I'm just wired that way. Collaboration makes me better. It makes other people yeah. better too. When we give a little, we take a little, we give back. We, it's like a circle of just building our field and our skills. So that sounds really awesome. If they wanted to sign up for the SLP social, would they just go to pediatricspeechlab.com or is there a different website? Yes, there will be a landing page link that'll be given via this podcast episode. We do not have the land. Well, actually we do have the landing page, but I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> so I want to make sure it's perfect for you guys. So it'll be a landing page, but for right now, I would say go to the Facebook group. Oh, it's well. called. So the Facebook group's called SLP social. Yes, awesome. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I will put in the show notes, the link to sign up for the SLP social. If you're interested in mentorship and just learning from experienced SLPs and being part of that community, it sounds really cool. Well, Quintina, it was really great talking with you and learning about how you're building your business and encouraging other SLPs that are maybe students or grad students or in the field that, you know, anything's possible. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about the SLP social. So if people are interested in connecting with you, where is the best place to find you? Yes, sure. So I'm very, very responsive in the direct messenger, well, the DMs <laughs> on Instagram at Ped Speech Lab. So it's at P-E-D Speech, S-P-E-E-C-H Lab. And then also, of course, on the SLP social via Facebook. Um, and I'm very, very responsive. So if you guys have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, and thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure with you guys tonight. Yeah, I'm so glad you came on the show. And if you're curious about private practice and what's going on in that world, you need to follow Quintina at Ped Peds. I never say it right. Ped Speech Lab. Yeah. And I want to say Ped. And, uh, <laughs> no. I don't know. Do people say? <laughs> Anyways, all right, we got to wrap this up before I start, you know, rambling here. Um, so again, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. And remember to stay inspired until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.